Hello and welcome to season three, episode eleven of the Dive. I am Kobe, joined by Isaiah and Freak. It's me. Good morning, friend. That was a pretty mellow intro. It was mellow. It yeah. was mellow. Jack used to get really excited about what number the episode was. Is that season what you're missing? Three, yeah, episode I feel like eleven. Of that's the much dive. better. I feel like this episode is like- eleven. Eleven. <laughs> it goes all the way to eleven. Better. Yeah, eleven. It's much better. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I feel like this was like a fireside reading also, version of the dive. Seat, so it moved back now. Okay. I probably did that. I think that's the chair that I. Don't all right. Well, we're going to so talk about playoffs. We're going to be talking about semifinals. <laughs> uh, looking forward more than looking back. Um, but before we get into the playoffs, uh, I want to get some of your guys' reactions. Obviously, All Pro MVP, like you know, the All well MVP hasn't come out yet, um, but All Pro did come out. Uh, the first mm-hmm. three teams, what stood out? Uh, Hanser got robbed. Otherwise, it all felt pretty normal. Yeah, it, I mean, we talked about a lot on the last of episode of how we were expecting most of the awards to go to the. Uh, top three teams. Yeah. Ponser and Santorin were notable exceptions. I also threw a couple mid laners in there. Mm-hmm. I think that mid lane it was a little bit closer than kind of people give it credit for, where we were so used to it always being Bjergsen, Jensen, and the third or whatever, whoever the third person yeah. is. But I think that that's one of the maybe biggest changes to me is that there have been a lot more super strong mid laners. I thought Mm -hmm. Froggen was very good. Crown was very good. Even Phoenix was very good. Um, So even though the awards turned out this way, I felt like they could have been, uh, you know, some more movement than usual. Yeah. And I mean, like there's even more names. I think Power of Evil was good, but was on a fairly weak team. And like, there's just a lot of really good mid laners in this split. Um, and, And yeah, you can only pick three. And I think the three that were picked were fine. Like yeah. They were still very good players mm-hmm. and deserving to to be up there because they were able to keep up with a very strong team and have a very good record at the end of the season. Yeah, the top line stuff was interesting because I, I I think like I had had heard that Hanser was actually really close and to to yeah. Blade who did get the third, mm-hmm. but that just felt like that was a bit of autopilot to me from from voters or or maybe even just recency bias because Broken Blade I think was a. Uh, like a big part of a lot of TSM's losses towards the, the start of the split. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did think that Hanser had a really strong split. I actually thought that, you know, you could even argue for like someday and, and some of those sort of Viper. Guys. Viper, yeah. like even, I think there was actually like a number of top laners who for the whole season sure. did outperform Broken Blade. And I wouldn't had put them... Viper up there like over the other people, but <laughs> I see the point. That's fair. I mean, I think Broken Blade though, like did have some really high highs and I think that they were towards the end of the season. And I think that's, uh, what people kind of I thought Broken on. Blade was actually really good. He was. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised that he was on there at all. Maybe surprised uh, more people didn't take Impact down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of expecting Impact maybe to be third or something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think I had Impact around third or maybe not on it. I forget exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I didn't have Impact or Broken Blade in my top three. I'm pretty sure I did uh, Licorice Haunter someday. I think it's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a lot of, there was a lot of top laners I think that like, the, the thing with top lane that was interesting to me was it felt like only Licorice were like was kind of like beyond yeah. reproach. It's like, of course, Licorice was going to be in there. And then mm-hmm. anyone, anyone else, I think there was, you know, major distractions from them, right? Like Impact mm-hmm. got second, but he had some horrible quick carry games. Um, you know, I think where his team kind of bailed him out at times. I think Broken Blade had a lot of mistakes at times throughout the season. Uh, Hanser certainly like, you know, Golden Guardians wasn't doing that well for a long time. And he was not necessarily playing super well with the team. I know that was one of the big criticisms of him. Yeah. He sure. was, even if he was doing well individually, it wasn't working well with the team. Right. And I think that's the big criticism of Someday also, even though he had these huge leads. It's like, well, if you had those huge leads, then you should have won. You know, yeah. so there's everyone kind of had their their knocks, I guess. Yeah, and then it's also super hard to speculate on like how well these guys are working with the rest of the team. Yeah, sure. Because laning phase is 
like our go-to. Laning phase is the uh, the right, measure. You're one v one. Yeah, because it's a solo lane. Right. You're like, okay, I can see you just beat the other guy. <laughs> I'd say team fighting and stuff too, right? Because like yeah. otherwise, impact I don't think would be up there at all. Right? Yeah. Impact does work really well with his team, at least from what we can see. But to your mm -hmm. point, we don't know who's calling what. Uh, we don't know like what uh, high is calling. All I think them. one of the biggest things <laughs> is specifically like for someday, right? Because everyone's yeah. like, oh my god, he's such a good laner. Um, but then there are so many problems with 100 Thieves of how they're working as a team. Like that's that's one of the things I think yeah. that a, a lot of the question marks are left to, and they're just like, okay, well, like that's just too much. We can't and put him up there. My read was definitely that he individually was still worthy of it, but the team was like so falling apart that no one was going to be winning on that team in the top lane is yeah. how it looked to me. But uh, we're not going to know for sure. Either way, the rest of it, pretty pretty much uh, to, to expectation. You guys can check out the votes if you haven't already. It should be on LOL Esports. All right, next <laughs> major update here. 100 Thieves parting ways with Huhi. You know, talking about the mid lane. Uh, maybe surprising to some. I think not surprising that it happened at all. Like, that it did happen. But maybe surprising how quickly it happened. And, and kind of is leaving people with the question of, all right, well, mm -hmm. is it just going to be Saligo? Are they looking for other people? Do they have their eyes on some import? What you know? What I wasn't happened? surprised in any way. No? Yeah. Uh, the speed, the timing, the Makes anything. Sense. Makes yeah. sense. They're, they're <laughs> out of playoffs. Like, this is clearly the worst split you've ever had as a team. Yeah. Sample size of three, but, like, they got second, then fourth, and then tenth, right? Like, yeah. this is a yeah. far drop from what's normal for them. Um, yes, make quick changes. Uh, it's interesting because if you look at that entire roster, kind of the coach, all of them outside of Anda have had very good success. Most of them have won a split. Someday, I don't know if you've ever won anything, but like he's obviously very, very good. Probably's made top four at Worlds. Like each, every one of these players has done something great. Anda's maybe their best performing player right now. Um, but who he was the worst this split. So it's like, okay, you're going to drop him. You're going to find someone else who works out. Like clearly things have to change in some way. The yeah. one thing that did surprise me, though, is I thought who he was actually going to be a good part of that experiment because you've got two players coming over from Korea. So he's been here for a little while, but like I think he's still not super acclimated. And so having like just an, another Korean speaker to help the, the foreigners feel um, comfortable around, like in America, where you don't have a lot of people around you that, that understand your culture, I thought that was going to be a good thing. Um, apparently, they don't need that anymore. So I, I mean, that. by all accounts, someday or uh, who he was an amazing teammate. Yes, for, exactly. Know, all of the teammates on an academy, as well as the main team coming out and saying that he does, you know, help so much with this, mm -hmm. teach them so much about the game. You know, so such good practice partner and all that. So I think it's not that that wasn't true, right? And that's they don't need that anymore. It's just that that's they need not, a mid laner. Exactly. It, it, I think that it's just that they want. Um, yeah you know, on stage performances and and that's not what he was going to give to them. I don't think it takes away from who he's still providing all of those things, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I think the thing that, that made it a little bit surprising to me was that we already saw what the the other <laughs> option is unless they have someone else that they're going to bring in. And and yeah, I think Saligo did fine in lane and, and he certainly wasn't like, oh wow, you're not getting blasted or anything, right? Mm -hmm. But like the team looked just as bad with him. They looked just as out of sorts with him. Yep. And maybe the assumption is, okay, well, you give him enough time and things then change. And I and I was expecting some sort of change because I just think when you have something happen this disastrous, as you guys said, you know, it's like second, fourth, they were into worlds, now tenth, after you improved your team. Um, is it's a situation where you almost just need to shake things up so that people can like mentally reset and say, okay, it's good again, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I think that Soligo, you know, just that is not like enough of a, of a change. It doesn't feel like because it feels like he was part of the season. It feels like things didn't work with him either. You know, I, I'd be really interested to see if they can pick anyone up, if anyone's even available. And my my immediate thought was, 
if you can try to chase the Cloud9 Academy yep. guys, right? Like Golden Glue, uh, Blabber, those are two guys who play together as a duo who got almost no stage time at all in the LCS this this split with Cloud9. And maybe that changes in playoffs and maybe they actually do get rotated in more. But I'm sure those guys are hungry for an LCS starting position. And it feels like if they got Blabber and Golden Glue, don't know if they're even available or if Jack would part with them or anything like that. But hey, that does kind of reset the team. That does kind of give you that honeymoon phase over again. And and you still feel like, okay, well, Bang and Someday still have to be really good. And Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it feels to me as the team freeing up salary. Like, I, I don't think they're they're cutting him because he's a bad teammate, to your point earlier, Kobe. It's like, well, you, you have a, probably a, a decently high salary because of the success he used to have before. I thought he was solid on CLG as well. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, we need to be able to afford... I don't know, Golden Glue or whoever that they do pick up. Because I agree, I don't think Saligo is the one that's going to make them not get 10th place. Um, so I think it's probably freeing up that. I also want to bring up that who he, uh, in his like Twitter announcement uh, as well, he was uh, getting let go. He's like, also, uh, you know, open for spots uh, as well as support and jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've <laughs> seen players get astronomically better on role swapping. Core JJ being a great one where he was um, not doing great in NA as an AD carry. Went over to Samsung Galaxy as a support. Uh, split time with Wraith and then made world finals and then won worlds afterwards and it's like and now you're the best sport in NA welcome back yeah uh, that, so it's like <laughs> that guy had and time you're taking you're taking the very top percentile yeah. example I mean, but Aframu was like free uh, guarantees yeah that who he will win a world champion <laughs> yeah before. but Aframu was like a solid B tier AD carry became one of the best supports in North America as well there's been a lot of good conversions before so yeah. uh, that's a possibility yeah um I kind of want to see who play another role it feels like um he do, sort of is a more supportive player anyway. Like, it just fits being a support player. I think it's an interesting uh, topic, and it's always an interesting story because I feel like it's so hard. For most players, spending the majority of your career, you know, in one mindset and one uh, role really does kind of get you set in your ways. A lot of the best players, and they talk about this a lot in the LCK, they practice all the other roles in solo queue, so they have a really good understanding of know what the all, all the other roles need mm-hmm. and timings and stuff mm-hmm. like that but uh for to actually transition professionally to another role is yeah. so difficult yeah yeah and i mean it would be very interesting i think you know you're you're noting a number of different uh you know circumstances where it did work out but i also think that there's quietly a lot of people who try try to do these sort of things and it just doesn't happen right you know people try to make role swaps or people try i played four roles professionally he almost yeah. got off five. really yeah. okay <laughs> he never played ad right that was yeah. the missing one yeah, yeah. I, I know he and he had a brief stint in jungle i guess it was a brief stint in support as well but yeah i mean it can work and and as much of uh, like a meme as it's almost become, it was, you know, people wanted high shot calling. People wanted, you know, like <laughs> the brain in there, right? So if Hui can provide those similar things, it'll be interesting to see if anyone uh, does pick him up, you know, and, you know, he's looking for academy, he's looking for whatever. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. But either way, 100 Thieves, I think people are going to be excited to see where they do land for summer because it still is a roster, I think, with, uh, with a lot of potential, especially if they can. Uh, mix things up a little bit in mid and jungle. Yeah, I don't think that they're done. I mean, this organization to me has always been like they've made so many changes. They put a lot of work into this brand that they want to make it work. And I don't think that they're going to just be done with just a mid lane change. The other question I guess I have then, because I know a lot of people uh, were feeling that Aframu was maybe getting a bit more of a pass than he should have. What do you guys think uh, of Aframu? Like, is that someone that they should be, you know, should it not just be we're saying, oh, yeah, like Golden Glue or Blabber? Should you be, should Diamond be in there? Should whoever be in there in that conversation? For me, for a team like this that had those poor of results, every position is under review. And it depends on what 
replacements that you can find in your scouting. Yeah. So you do all your scouting work. You pick out the best possible add-ons to your team, review those against you know, the performances uh, internally, how they're working with the team with the current roster. Yep. But it doesn't feel like anyone should be safe yep. on a team that you know, has this kind of monumental I, collapse. I kind of disagree a little bit just because I can't see a world in which Bang or Someday is replaced going into summer. If you, it, but again, if you find the God replacement, are you saying that's that's safe? Like if I mean, I think so because the, I think the God replacement doesn't exist right now. I think that it's like all right. Unless it's the Duke is on move. the bench. The shy is permanently in now. Do you take Duke? <laughs> no, I, I don't think you do because I think that it's just like between splits. There's no, there's like no guarantees of what people people actually want or what people are going to do. And I still still think someday like performed well enough individually uh, that you would mm. you would still not want to change absolutely everything, right? Like I, I just think that it's it's. You're you're flipping a coin a, a bit again, and you're changing almost too many variables at that point. If you're willing to actually change uh, someday or bang, like I just I just personally cannot see them being changed uh, from from spring summer. Oof. I mean, some some have some are definitely better players than others, but I would not give anyone a pass on this team. Yeah. So you think you think there's a world? Of, well, I guess I, in this world that we are in, do you think there's any chance that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. someday, someday, or Bangor? I think that is, those are the least likely. Yeah, but again, I don't give anyone a pass. I, I think, especially if if you're like, oh, there's actually a really good high profile midlander we can pick up. You have to drop an import. Right? Who he was a resident, so like, yeah. you know, if they're like actually rookies available, or you know, uh, yeah. you know, someone I mean, right, and it's you, like, well, I'll take him over someday. So maybe we'll try to acquire solo, right? Like. Someone to that caliber, if that if that's available, suddenly you make that choice. Exactly. You have to use your evaluation, your critical thinking based on all the extra information that they know mm -hmm. from this season. Like there's so much that 100 Thieves internally know that we don't know about what went wrong with this season. <laughs> sure. Then you have to use all of that to make a you know a smart decision. That's the whole point of a like general manager position. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't expect there to be one of the biggest reasons that I just, I just don't expect people of, of rookie or shy or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. caliber to be available in between splits. And historically, mm -hmm. it's so hard to make those moves because <laughs> people have year-long contracts, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just don't see those guys <laughs> getting swapped out. But yeah, I, I can agree in the perfect storm where it's like, you know, the shy is free and really yeah. wants to come to 100 <laughs> Thieves exclusively Suddenly and he'll do it for free. Wants to come to, NS wants to, come to yeah. NS MSI. You're like, well, you know. Uzi also wants to join, <laughs> yeah. by the way. <laughs> And he'll pay you. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Signed. <laughs> then, yes, they will get replaced. <laughs> Speaking of the shy and Duke and Invictus Gaming. Yeah. How did you feel about their skins that came out? Because I personally really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. They seem like, you know, Korean style MMO. Everybody. Oh, right. Like it's guns the duel. It, it feels yeah. It feels like uh, this kind of like epic family uh, and yeah, and they're all you know because they're all so well coordinated and mm -hmm. uh, kind of high class. I guess. Who's the mom and the dad then? Uh, I feel like Aurelia. Almost all those skins are actually female. Like Rakan is Rakan the one the dude. Can they have? Can they have two moms? Yeah, of course. Actually, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, twenty nineteen. I feel like it might be a two moms team. Okay. <laughs> all right, it's 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 Aurelia and. Camille, there you go, and then Probably. the rest of. Uh, yeah. I feel like Camille is 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 I mean, a bit too young for it. You're are you trolling? How how old is Camille? <laughs> Just the way that she acts, I don't know. Camille feels more she like got a, her big robot she legs. Feels Camille's more like, like an canonically eighty, <laughs> legitimately. Yeah, yeah, okay. in the lore or whatever. But the, 
Camille in the lore, the literal description of how old she is. <laughs> but ignoring that. <laughs> All right. She's an 80-year-old that acts like a teenager. Yeah. Okay, sure. Whatever. There you go. With big old robot legs. That's true. Yeah. So I guess that means you guys approve. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> that makes skins. sense. I think I think the skins are really cool. I always like uh, seeing different art styles that feel like it fits in the game. So for me, mm. uh, I think it is cool anytime. Like it doesn't, you don't. I, I don't want everything to be the same, right? You know, when we release cinematics and it's actually a different art style, but it feels really cool and it feels really epic. I think that's really fun. You know, you can watch like Curse of the Sad Mummy. You can watch the Mumu video. Like that is wildly different than what the 2019 Rise. season yeah. trailer is. And, and, you know, a lot of them are very, very different. Bard was another one that was kind of cool. The Tom Kench video. I like different art styles as mm -hmm. long as they feel like they fit in the game. This totally felt like a fit in the game. And I, I know I only saw like really quick clips. It's like one ability of the different characters, but LeBlanc was looking super sick. And I'm not a LeBlanc player at all, but I thought uh -huh. the, the LeBlanc clone and Dash and stuff looked The feather sweet. cloak. I like the little feather accents on yeah. all of them too. Uh, it adds a little bit of, uh, you know, extra style and darkness to them. I've zazz. decided, by the way, it's Fiora and Aurelia. Okay. You're taking Fiora <laughs> over Camilla. <Okay. laughs> That's fair. That's fine. There you go. Approve. Never more responsibilities. Stamp of approval. All right. Sure. Uh, before we get into uh, our stuff, you playoffs kicked off. A lot of international playoffs are kicking off. Uh, yeah. We're going to get a deep dive on that post-finals because next week will be our dive live uh, for our finals. And then after that, the following episode will be an MSI one. We're going to start talking more about those playoffs. But EU playoffs did kick off. We did see the, the quarterfinals happen. Uh, semifinals are set. It's going to be Splice versus Fnatic, OG versus G2. Thoughts? Um, yeah, two sets of thoughts. One is I actually really like the LEC playoff format. The idea of you have like this sort of semifinal round, which is one versus two and three versus four, or whoever won the quarters. Uh, in this case, it's still three versus four. Um, and the idea that then you still have both your top teams go to the finals weekend and and like the 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 day one match can mean that team can still win the final. Like I think that's actually mm -hmm. a really cool format. I like that a lot. Um, I'm super hyped for Origin G2. Like, uh, it's super awesome that Officio managed to scout a team of sort of slightly undersold players that are the number two team in, in Europe. Like, that's that's really incredible. Um, so Origin's super sick. G2 is obviously incredibly just exciting as a team overall. Um, the Perks bot lane experiment works all right. Caps is still just absolutely insane. Um, so that's sick. Um, and yeah, yeah your, cool your origin one is super funny to me because uh, the year before Deficio joins Origin and oh, like, yeah, puts yeah. all this stuff together, <laughs> each one of these players he's talking about so much as yeah. like, oh yeah, this guy, he's so good. He's been yeah, for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the meme for the entire ELCS yeah, for the whole year was yeah. year of Nuke Duck, yeah. and Deficio's the driver behind that. Yeah, <laughs> so it actually just seemed like a poetic justice to me that he was able to put all these players on his team, yep. and they've done so well. Yeah. Turns uh, out he was right in yeah. terms of knowing what players are actually good and can put stuff together. Because Turns out Deficio knows what he's talking about yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's the it, the meme I'm kind of seeing is they're the anti-misfits, where like misfits were all the high-profile players that command big salaries and are all really good, <laughs> and they missed playoffs. And Deficio basically moneyballed it and scattered a bunch of players who were a bit under the radar, and they're a finals team. 
I and feel like Moneyball is super overused. There's yeah. a small interjection. But it's, okay, but it's, fair. it's, it's a good uh, it's a good term. I like it. Yeah. Um, but either way, I, I think it is really cool because it, it also does reinforce again that it is such a team game. And it's about not only the individual pieces, but how well they work together. And mm-hmm. that is more important now, I feel like, than, than ever, especially when you're talking about imports and, and language barriers sometimes, uh, you know, and, and various like, you know, issues with that, with communication, how important it is in league. And Misfits, I think, is kind of somewhat synonymous with like the 100 Thieves story, right? Well, like Misfits didn't do as poorly, but, you know, where it's like they brought in the biggest big name signings, everyone's really focused on Gorilla and Bang and these sorts of things, and it, it didn't work out at all, right? And then you have like your FlyQuest and your Origin and whatever that it's like, well, these teams actually just work really well together yeah uh, and i think that obviously is is an important part of the puzzle mm-hmm. you know mithy did not perform well at all in in north america but yet he's back in an environment where he's he seems happier in europe he's doing better on that team yep. uh so it feels like maybe it's the change of environment maybe it's how the players work with him or, or how he works with them but it's it's kind of cool to see he's having success again in europe and uh, the quarterfinals were also pretty pretty interesting. I, I thought the Fnatic Vitality series was a bit of a snoozer just because Fnatic was <laughs> it was a stopper. So I mean, much better just because they were exactly it didn't it didn't seem like it was close at really like any point. I know there was like one game where like at one point conceivably Vitality could have done something, but like watching through that series is like well. Fnatic's way better than Vitality. They're slamming them. Fnatic has been on a tear going into playoffs. There, you know, there's like a lot of the parallels right there, like our TSM or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say um, TSM Fox is also three versus six, and that also wasn't very close. Yeah, but this was even more of a stomp. This was, it was. This was the three zero, and it didn't feel close really at all. Like Fnatic looks terrifying, and I think. The Splice SK series was really competitive, and that was a pretty exciting one. And everyone yeah. memes the IE Rek'Sai, but uh, yeah, it feels like it's so hard to not watch these two series and feel like, ooh, Fnatic are heavy favorites. Yeah, I the it kind of was encapsulated at the end of the series when they go for a two v two mid, and the Kale on Fnatic side that's like level five or something gets a double kill off of this two v two. Okay, so Rek'Sai got actually kill credit, but they win two v two kill mid. And you're like, okay, the Nemesis is a, Nemesis. This yep. game is actually over. He gets <laughs> yeah. to go AD Kale scaling super fed super yeah. early on. Uh, it's just like, uh, yeah, they got Broxa. demolished. Broxa was amazing. Broxa was so good in that one. He was on Rexi, but previously he had been on the Karthus for them, mm-hmm. like securing. Yeah. game was good. Uh, late games like for most of these yeah. team comps, but a couple games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, Fnatic definitely looks super good coming out of that. And I do love the European playoff format. I actually hope that we steal it. Just straight up. Yep. I hope that we incorporate that. Like the mid-laners, that. we can take the format too. I hope that we use it for summer because we get great matchups heading into the playoffs here. You guys are talking so much about OG, but I don't think that they're going to beat G2 You know, in the like battle of the number one, number mm-hmm. two that we get to see in the first week. Fnatic, I do do think um but then you're gonna get origin fanatic and g2 as your finals weekend top three right which is yeah. super exciting those are the three orgs that the fans generally want to see yeah and- i do think uh fanatic has a very good shot though of yeah. winning theirs sure they do i mean they they made the same run that tsm did which is like they're the best team in the second half of the split and 
they they plowed their quarterfinal opponents and they're ready to keep going. Yeah, I mean, Broxa, Broxa really was so impressive though. And in the Kale game, I felt like it was way more about Broxa than it was about the Kale. And and you know, yeah, but sure. you have a Kale that's also getting fed of off course. of Broxa yeah, 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 doing yeah. so well. Yeah, and that's the game, the, like that's what I'm talking about is the feeling that it encapsulates. Yeah, 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 is yeah. if you're in a game and you're like, the we're losing early around this Kale, then yep. you're losing the game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I mean, it was the the game was capped off by the Pentakill where he's mm-hmm. like he's walking in to their fountain basically yep. just like spawn <laughs> killing them essentially at this point uh in their base so yep. pretty pretty one-sided uh splice versus versus sk was i think a lot closer and, and was a pretty mm-hmm. exciting series um that one did go four games if i recall correctly yeah yeah because the game four rex i troll yeah yeah well i mean it, it's interesting like so what is your actual opinion on it ie is never correct you can build a dusk blade yeah like just straight up like there's never a reason to buy that item if you're not gonna also then buy a phantom dancer and you don't have the money or the ability to like buy those kinds of items and play Rek'Sai yeah. in a competitive game. Yeah, that, that's the key part, like a yeah. competitive game. It's like, you're going to have to fight for Baron, and you're going to get one shot by Vayne when you try to go for the steal. Like, <laughs> no. Some people brought up like, oh, but what if when he caught Vayne in mid, then he had gotten a crit in yeah. one of those auto and attacks? Like, what if he bought Duskplate and killed her anyway, one auto sooner, not needing the crit? Oh, look, a better item. <laughs> yeah. I do think that self-made is an amazing jungler. He's, very good. he's been so incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And he's by far been the best person on his team. So mm-hmm. like you get that mentality where you're like, I'm gonna carry this. <laughs> and he's like, you're and like, well, on your X side, be all right with it. And he was like, I am definitely going to get with the the Phantom Dance or whatever. Second, like, I'm gonna yeah. get all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Like, I'll, like watching watching the the series, you know that Ecasters and Analysts that's were very much talking. Like, they felt like Selfmade basically has to carry, right? You know, and, and like he's got to carry these guys really hard if they're, if they're gonna win. And uh, I, and play Karthus, right? Yeah, like, I was play gonna, something like or Kindred or whatever, so we can actually take I over mean, team fights. It, it's it's tough. It's tough though, right? Because you can say. If you're on the worst team, I actually don't think playing Karthus is the right choice because I feel like yeah, all your lanes have lost and then get you. you're getting invaded by their mid laner and their Rek'Sai. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I get wanting to play ganking junglers. If mm-hmm. you're on a worst team, I feel like you actually have to be more proactive. If you're the superstar jungler, you have to turn around lanes. Yeah. You have to get leads that then eliminate your some of the skill, and skill discrepancies and stuff, yeah. right? So I, I totally respect that way of playing it. Uh, because if you go full on scaling as the star, often by the time yeah. you can do something, the game is already pretty doomed. So I, I think it is a tough situation. But, um, you know, Crown Shot, I thought, played a pretty good series. I do think, you know, there has been a, a tremendous amount of hype around around Kabe. And, and I think he he played quite well also. Let's he go. was the <laughs> namesake. That's my boy. He was, you know, the the LEC first team uh, yep. AD. So I know that the, they had a lot of hype around him going into that series and the fact that he is finally getting some of this recognition. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think as far as like building a name for yourself, Kabe is going to be going up against Reckless, right? He's seriously by far the most popular AD in Europe. Mm-hmm. If you can win that series, that is something that can kind of like springboard you to stardom. So I'm yeah. excited for it. I'm excited. I definitely feel like Fnatic are favored in that, and I it's going to so be super hard for Spice, but it should be fun to watch. Uh, 9.7 yeah. is coming out, and I'm pretty excited for it. There's actually a lot of changes, mm-hmm. starting off with cutting down these ridiculous uh, top laners, Kale and Urgot, right off the bat. Yep. They're both insane right Urgot's now. Jungler. 
Yeah, Ergot's Ergot mostly a jungler. Ergot is not mostly a jungler. <laughs> as far as Ergot, Ropla, he is. Ergot is Ergot's, a jungler. Okay. But he's not mostly a so jungler. As far as, so <laughs> as far as pro play, he is only a jungler. As far as pro play, he's only a jungler. I'm with Freak. Uh, Nerf the jungler. As far as Solo Q, he's a broken junglers. top laner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this Solo patch Q. is going out to Solo Q. I first, know, Freak. I know. But it's also the MSI patch. That's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he's a broken champion yeah. right now. Again, after yep. having one patch <laughs> off. We got one patch on vacation from Ergot Duty. Yeah. Then he went right back up there. He's so. got two picks across the entire patch so they're, far. Like, they're no one's slapping really him playing down again. Pro. Um, but I also think Kale really deserves some nerfs. And yeah. I'm happy to see a lot of these ones mm -hmm. coming through because she's definitely, um, even though we didn't see her take over pro play no, freak. She really didn't. Um, I do think More that than Ergot, though. it was a, a problem waiting to uh, yeah, I mean, pop up. It's interesting because nine nine six. I definitely think she's OP. Like I've played a fair bit of her. You know, like at like reasonably high <laughs> elo. Uh, and I do think that like the more the more I play it, the more I feel like you can actually survive most lanes or at least get through most lanes with an acceptable deficit if you mm -hmm. play it well. No matter how abusive it is. Like I was playing Flexi last night. I played against a Grandmaster Solo Q Jace player, and it's like, well, he didn't actually put me behind enough that it mattered, right? So. Yeah, I was a little bit behind him, but you get to a certain point where it's like, if you can just survive that lane, which is one of the most abusive lanes from a guy that's higher gilo than me, then, well, you're pretty damn insane, right? And you get to that team fight stage, you get to the later stages, you can be really, really strong. I do think that still, it's such a such a polarizing champion that even though I do believe it's it's the strongest solo queue champion right now, in pro, it not only changes how the top laner has to play massively, it changes how the whole team has to play, right? So much of the game really does have to become about the KL, I think. So uh, I think a lot of teams are nervous to actually opt into that play style. And it's a play style, I think, that takes some time to learn, similar to, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. Fiora or whatever. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see it. I, I think that teams should be playing it. And I would be surprised if we didn't see it at all in semis or finals because I know some of these guys yep. are certainly practicing and preparing it. I just think it takes time. And to me, that's what explained the quarterfinal absence. Right now, she's 25% presence in pro. A couple of LCK picks very recently, right before playoffs. Yeah. Uh, one of the LMS. Uh, we obviously saw the LEC playoff game with Nemesis. So yeah, 9-6 Kale is around 9-7 Kale is probably not getting played. Yeah. Um, also, interestingly, um, the very recent pro games of Kale are Alternative Force Kale. Like that, that switched over. Uh, the first couple weeks of Kale, it was like all AP. We're seeing it in NA Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, the last three Asian games, it's it's all Triforce start, play as a top laner, and you just like, you win early trades because you just use Sheen E on people. Yeah, I wouldn't say you win trades. But well, <laughs> you're allowed to, you can you can lane like a <laughs> yeah, real champion, yeah, I guess I would say, bit. right? Like <laughs> that, a, that, that, you're a cannon that instead of a melee minion. Yeah, yeah, which I've seen ganks before. Those champs get those killed cannons, by cannon minions. cannons do damage. <laughs> Possibly more impacting changes though. Yeah. Cho'Gath is already getting played. Two seconds off the rupture cooldown pretty big. is very big to me because people are already opting into this as one of the premier tanks, and that is a giant buff to giant? CC. CC uptime, yeah, two seconds off of rupture to me is so big. I think it's pretty big. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think two seconds, two, giant is exaggerated because I see this as like a 1% win rate change, you know, like yeah. something like that. I actually I feel like that's big. I don't think it's uh, super big because uh, I think that Shogath Q is pretty easy to avoid. I think that in general, it's 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 a nudge, but it's like I actually don't think that should make you blame if you weren't playing him before. But they're already playing him. Then then yeah, then yep. he's just slightly better. Like, I, I, think, I don't think, I think he shows huge. up as a result personally. I agree that's not like a huge change, but it's yeah. kind of thing you look at it like just to Kobe's point. You're like seven seconds. 
Mm-hmm. We should play some Cho'Gath now. <laughs> and you're like, wait, Cho'Gath is good. Yeah. Guess we're playing Cho'Gath. Right? It's like that kind of thing. But I think it, it's, it's probably like 1% one. Sure. But it's the kind of change that will turn heads. And that's, that's yeah. actually what really that's, matters. I feel is like perception. 1% is big. And that's a reasonable, yeah, it's a reasonable off. I think there's bigger 1% ones. 1% is but... usually the smallest win rate increase that they aim for. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, they, they won't aim for less than 1%. Yeah. So it's it's about as minor as a buff as they do. It doesn't always mean that the buffs are on target, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I but I like, like But to, to, to your point, I, th- I think I think you, like five, six. I think you Sorry. make a, I think you make a yep. good point where it's like it's it's one that turned heads yeah. and it's one that you know it's CC. And so if Kobe has that reaction, probably a lot of people are going to have that reaction, mm-hmm. and that might mean it gets played way more, even if it isn't a significant win rate right. uh, change. Because sometimes I really do think the buffs aren't even really changing much of the power. It's just making people think about the champion and then it turns out it was already good, right? It was like the the Rek'Sai changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Conquer came out, everyone's like, oh my God, it's so OP. And it went up uh, some win rate, but it was actually off of a bug. It was, yeah, it was an R And bug. then they fixed the bug and the win rate was like the same as it was before, but everyone's yep. like, yep, Rek'Sai's OP. And then they nerfed Conquer back down so like it wasn't even like it's their best yeah. piece done anymore. And it's like, nope. Rek'Sai is number one jungler. Yeah, and and it just goes to show that sometimes these champions fall out and it just takes a kick, you know, to actually get it uh, back into pro play. I I do think the Mundo changes are also pretty interesting because Mundo has been getting a number of uh, of buffs. These are are kind of, they're not as extreme maybe. I'd have to actually go back and check what the nerfs were, but when Mundo was kind of OP a while ago, they nerfed his E uh, and I don't know exactly what the, the kind of movement was there, but... The E uh, bonus attack damage has gone up a fair bit. Uh, they also buffed cleaver damage, on, so it's like specifically, especially against higher HP targets, because mm-hmm. it's percent current health. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if if something like a Cho'Gath is in there, cleaver is going to do a lot of damage to him. But Mundo has been buffed so many times, and I think is so strong against AP champions now, specifically, uh, especially after the most recent E buffs that increase the scaling of of MR, like percentage MR increase that you get on it that I think for sure people should be playing it into specific comps, right? Like, I see uh, quite a few times where it's like people have like Rise, Top, Lissandra, Mid, and, and Sejuani, Jungle, and things like this, where it's all magic damage essentially on the top side of the map. And I think games like that are actually so free for Mundo that you rush the Spirit Vistage and Mercs and you actually just can't die. Yeah, I'm looking at the old uh, Dr. Mundo nerfs from 813 because he, he was really meta in the middle of uh, 2018 because they buffed his ultimate by a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, the old E value was 30 to 30 to 110, and then that dropped to 30 to 90. So basically, they they increased the rank one value, and still the rank five values decrease. Okay, so it is the uh, same rank one then, yeah. Yeah, and then like uh, like 814 had like a regen nerf and stuff like that, but by then like he was kind of gone. Yeah, I mean, I said last uh, episode I was going to start playing Jungle Mundo, mm-hmm. so I put one game in on 9.6 to prepare for these changes. That's good. And guess what? Won the game, 100% win rate. So wow. he's gonna be broken. That's how uh, that works. If a, Kobe can win, it must be strong. Accompanying accompanying these Mundo buffs though is a Cinder Hulk buff. That's a very oh, yeah. substantial Cinder Hulk buff for people that rush Thank Cinder you, Hulk. So <laughs> yeah, people who are Jack buffs because Jack plays that. purely Cinder Hulk. <laughs> he's an Ivor Nunu player. <laughs> um, I feel feel like Sejuani's gonna get a a big part of this, and Mundo's definitely gonna get a big part of this. So mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to have Mundo jungles uh, start flooding people's solo queue games as well. What do you guys think about the Rumble changes? Because I've been seeing Rumble actually doing uh, you know pretty well in solo queue, at least in like NA Challenger. There's a number of Rumble players who mm-hmm. seem to do quite well with it. 
Um, and I know that at least pro player perception from some of the people I've talked to, they already felt like Rumble was really strong. I know that's not necessarily supported by by the data, but at least at high low, people feel like it's a strong champion. 10% additional move speed on Scrap Shield yeah. and Equalizer 10 seconds shorter, cooldown 20 seconds shorter at max rank. Like The move speed is actually insane. Yeah, it's it's really big. 10% is a large increase in move It is a pretty speed. short duration buff. It's like one and a quarter seconds. Yeah, but but it's it's, you still fast. are closing some distance, right? Yeah. Like the entire point of the champion is if you're in range of Q, then you're useful. And if you're not, then you do nothing. Um, so I agree. That's actually a really big deal. You max at last. So like 10 to 20% is a pretty big jump. Um, our cooldown is actually really important as well because Rumble doesn't tend to buy CDR mm -hmm. since he's actively discouraged to buy it because of overheating. So mm -hmm. um, making sure his ult's up for every fight is is really meaningful. Um, you're probably not going to see two ults in a fight because he's not going to get 40 CDR and drop that to like 40 seconds. But um, yeah, I think this is this is cool. Um, I like Rumble. He's actually like a top laner I really enjoy playing. I'd, I'd like to have him, you know, around as a, as a viable champion. Um, it's also nice to have another like damaged top laner. He's very good at buying Leandries. Uh, it's like he's good actually fighting other tanks, other slow tanks. Like I feel like I can play him in a Cho'Gath and probably feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming so. Like, yeah, I'm not going to dodge Rupture very easily, but I turn Flame Spitter on and hit you back. Um, so yeah, I feel like he has some good matchups, even if we go to tank meta. Um, he's good at killing backline. If you're going to go play Assassin and try to bypass the Scions, because you just ult the, the AD carry and Ash just dies. So um, I think he does cool things for team comps. I think he's a cool champion. All around, I like him. Cool. I feel like one of these biggest changes is actually all these warding changes to the rune. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, reading them a little bit more, the zombie ward to me is just stronger. I was already using zombie ward uh, mostly, mm -hmm. and a lot of, uh, or not a lot, but some pro players were also using yep. um, zombie ward. I feel like mm -hmm. the ghost portal one might be a, a bit worse because... Ghost portal, yeah. Oh, it now only spawns if I, your ward yeah. comes out. You can only put a ghost portal down in the brush. And and I feel like, and especially in pro play, a lot of them get cleared out actively. So sure. I feel like zombie ward is going to be better um, for pro play mm -hmm. because you are actively clearing war their wards. They're actively clearing yours so it's interesting and getting this, value that way. Uh, a lot of the stat sites, so uh, Games of Legends, for example, actually tracks um, percentage of wards cleared on a team-by-team uh. -team basis. You can literally actually look up what percentage of wards get cleared versus timed out That's across really pro. Cool. So uh, I'll just pull it up. We're gonna we're gonna go and you look at. Team All right, we'll talk about something else right. because I'm yeah, sure yeah. that freak is gonna take. <laughs> yeah, a I'm long sure time doing that. and he's gonna be muttering the whole time. <laughs> so <laughs> wow, <laughs> he's just like I mean, the old man you, now, you, just muttering to himself. When he's no. All right, here when we go. He looks up team stuff liquid. like that. He starts to like. Are you ready? I'm already <laughs> here, by the way. <laughs> Quit muttering, Kobe. He's trying to talk. Okay, so across the spring split, Team Liquid puts down 3.3 words per minute. Uh, they put down 1.2 vision words per minute. They clear 1.4 wards per minute, which means a 44.8% wards cleared. That's pretty So cool. a pro team only clears half of the wards. All right, I've got some data here from uh, Solo Q for you. Okay, zero. It says 1% <laughs> of wards are cleared. <laughs> so I feel like my points are proven. <laughs> Boom. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. I'm just but thinking just up about now, right? <laughs> all my jungle games where they're like, no wards bought. I walk through the river, there's a ward there, they're backing off. I try to lane gank, they're backing off as soon as I step in the brush. <laughs> Everything is warded. Yeah. What are you talking about? Anyway, Dark Seal also uh the Dark Seal changes I think are actually pretty big nerfs because this has been used so heavily as a get through lane style item and then sell it back. Mm -hmm. So you're actually getting 105 less gold when you sell sell it back now. So the the resale value on that has gone down tremendously. Yep. You know, that's from, you're getting less than half now, what, like 40% or yep, whatever? Yeah, it's 40 instead of 70. Yeah, 40 instead of 70. They're also nerfing the AP. So I just feel like Dark Seal is like, I'm not a fan of this change because I just feel like 
it's such a huge hit for how the item is used. If you just look at the 5 AP, that's not an enormous nerf, but people like to buy two, three dark seals for lane. That is almost always, it feels like how it is used. And people I think now are either just never going to buy it or buy one maximum because it's right. too much of a loss when you're selling them back now. I think that's um, the goal though. Yep. They want to change how it's used. They don't want yeah. people buying three or four of them. But so. I, th I think for the most part, this just goes to no one ever buys dark seal. I think you buy one. Because it still has the potion amp, it still has like the flat mana, and it still has the soul stacking. So like, it's roughly gold efficient by itself. Okay, yeah, the cell box not great, but like everyone starts crafting potion. Like that's just like ubiquitous. Yeah. And then you're either choosing dark seal or Doran's ring second, and dark seal's probably the first one's still probably worth it because you probably get a couple assists, and now it's a twenty AP item. So it's just a yeah. better Doran's ring. Cycle. I guess, I guess yeah. my argument is just if the if that item is not efficient, I want to start building towards my major completions. More, sure. Right. And and maybe I'm wrong, and pro mm -hmm. will still like. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's one or none, right? And it, yeah. it may be one, but for me at least, my my initial thought is just okay. Well, I'd actually just rather that be a longsword or whatever, and start mm -hmm. building towards, uh, you know, my my actual completion. I mean, it's just competing with Dorans. Yeah, uh, it's another option for than Dorans. I think that's good to have mm -hmm. multiple options. Yep, and that's why that's why the sellback value for all the Dorans items and corrupting yeah. potions like that are so low is so you mm -hmm. don't buy four and feel good about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To your point, I think the item is efficient without the souls, mm -hmm. and it's positive efficiency with souls and people tend to have good kdas in mid lane so you you it will tend to be a good item yeah what's end the last uh, major thing at least i want to talk yeah, about that's major it seems actually just <laughs> insane I think so. uh when i when i'm reading through this gets 10 percent more attack speed it gets 10 more mr five percent flat move speed beyond hit instead of being 42 scales between 15 and 80 mm -hmm. and you also get life steal uh, for well, the amount of the on-hit damage uh, that the Wits Ends will deal. Yeah. And it's 33% for range. They took away the magic resist stealing thing. It costs 500 more, but like this just actually just seems like the best item in the game. It just seems insane to me when I'm thinking about a lot of uh, the champions that I enjoy playing. I'm like, well, I actually just want this on everything if there's magic yeah, damage. It's, yeah, it's better than lifesteal. On-hit heal damage for on-hit be uh, yeah. builds when they have Rage Blade, they're attacking so fast. Right, I can, yeah. I just see, you know, 160s popping up over right, right. constantly over there, there's uh, pretty big yeah there's pretty big rage blade synergy i mean if you keep in mind like uh, so that's level 18 like most games don't get to 18 to be fair but like okay if you buy it first you're probably getting i don't know 30 ish health back if uh -huh. you buy it second or third and you're like level 14 whatever you're getting like 60 ish health back like those are big numbers don't get me wrong um it's just not always 80 like that's one thing people jump to like 80 and 160 it's like no no, no it's oh, almost never 80 of course it's not because it has to scale up yeah yeah and it's one third for a range which mm -hmm. is going to be probably the majority of users uh, uh, but, yeah. I, but i think like that this actually just makes it absurd for like aurelia right mm -hmm. you actually just like we even saw we saw dokla play in pro against vladimir and russia and like he was he was actually dying because he was getting ganked and whatever, but he was still just like winning that sort of matchup. Yeah. I actually think you can 100% just rush this into all AP matchups on your Aurelias, on mm -hmm. on even maybe like a Jax, on like I, I don't know maybe it's you're giving up too much CDR, Master but like Ye. like yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Ye, Ye out of the jungle, yeah. right? Like I'm sure would love this item. I definitely think Kale absolutely would love this item. Like I've found more and more when I'm playing against things like like a Vladimir or whatever, I can actually start beating them before I turn into range as as a Kale. So it's like having this as a first item that was already effective on Kale and AP matchups. I think there's probably a lot of champions I'm not thinking of as well that it could be effective, but it does seem pretty damn powerful to me. Yep. Uh, and especially, like, maybe it's, you know, like, even if it's not that early item buy, you know, okay, you're, it's your third item or whatever on Jackson's instead if you're laning against a rise in side lane. That mm -hmm. still seems incredibly powerful.
Uh, it's an easy comparison to say Blade of the Rune King, which has a fairly similar stat profile, yeah. not the move speed and MR necessarily, but it's still this on hit attack speed item with lifesteal on it. If you look at, you know, um, an early bot Blade of the Rune King, it puts you at like 112 attack damage. You get like 10 or 12% lifesteal uh, and the on hit damage lifesteal like that, that comes into it as well. So like that sort of sustain is fairly similar. Like if you're rushing first item, the sustain is about the same. The on hit damage is probably slightly higher mm-hmm. for Ruin King because you're getting the 40 AD and 8% or whatever the max eight, or their current HP. So um, as a direct comparison, you're like, okay, as long as I want 50 MR, then it's a really good item. Yeah. And you only buy it in those matches, it of course. It really well. It is. And of course, but I mean, so does current health damage yep. and, and so does just straight up percent lifesteal. Um, so like that, well, that, that lines up. more on the matchup, right? Sure, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying sort of like, it, it lives in roughly the same place as Ruin King, and Ruin King seems to be roughly fair. Yeah. Um, now, you have to like go dive into numbers to say how much better it is. I am on your side that Wit's End is very, very good, and I'm probably buying it a lot. Um, it, it is probably OP, um, but I'm just kind of interested what the actual fallout's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. into playoffs so we did have the quarterfinals happening this last weekend uh, tsm came out on top FlyQuest came out on top so the semifinals are all set the semifinals are all set yep. let's start off with tsm versus cloud nine baby start okay. off with the banger because <laughs> everybody is super excited for this team liquid steve was lying he said he was going to pick tsm <laughs> everybody knew he was lying yeah, yeah. but they were like he was strong but what if they actually that would be crazy anyways yeah. they did not yeah for good reason uh tsm and cloud nine this is going to be an epic clash it is, and uh, technically Cloud9 did win both times they played regular season, so there's the whole like rock, paper, scissors thing, which we'll talk about Not later even in the episode. <laughs> uh, actually. Well, yeah, I, well, the reason I say technically is I feel like that second one was fairly fraudulent, where Cloud9 was getting clapped the whole time, and then, you know, to be fair, hey, they got the catch out on Bjergsen, like, it was a good C9 play to then get that game back, but... You play that game out a bunch and TSM probably closes. Fraudulent? You think that win was fraudulent? So to me, like... Licorice had an insane flank at the Elder Dragon to even get them into that position. Uh-huh. Then they, and they still almost lost. Doublelift even has he talked about... He technically had an insane flank. <laughs> <laughs> like, these are... That's, to me, epit- that game epitomized the differences in, uh, you know, Cloud9 and a team like Team Liquid, right? Where Doublelift in interviews afterwards is like, oh yeah, Cloud9 take these risky plays, but you know, a lot of that stuff could lose you the game or whatever. Mm. Uh, they take that risky play, they win the game versus TSM. Uh, maybe one of the reasons why TSM 2-0 Team Liquid, yet Cloud9, okay. you know, still defeat them. I think calling it fraudulent <laughs> is a little bit extreme. Is too harsh. Because it might not give enough credit to licorice and spend scaring you know these guys that jumped on the opportunity if we flame them for uh you know spend scaring going for tower dive and missing his flash to barely like miss his first right. butt or whatever which we got to flame him we for, flame him for. <laughs> we got to give him credit when they jump on the guy they get a game-winning play yeah you're right <laughs> yeah, fra- fraudulent is extreme. I, it's I too think, I think Freak didn't necessarily mean that. He just liked the, the word. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, he's got a small little peanut brain, word. so it's just, you know, that word is just that top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it is my word. I love fraudulent. It's a fantastic word. But I, I don't think it applies in this situation. So I agree. I agree in that I think, you know, if you if you reset that game, if we, like, saved that game state before Bjergsen got picked and you replay it, TSM has got to win that game eight or nine times out of 10, it feels like, right? But Cloud9, credit to them, they, you know, there was that mistake from Bjergsen mm-hmm. and they did punish that and they turned around the game and they won. 
but you could even hear, I remember we got to listen to some of the game comms that came out on a mic check or whatever. Yeah. And they're just like, what do we even do? Like, Sneaky's, how do we even win this game? I can't do anything. What are we, like, can't even get in range, right? He was playing Casio mm-hmm. and this team that outranged him so badly with Poke Lethality Varus and all this. And they found their moment. They won that game. But it does still feel like, ah, it's not like TSM just got slammed 2-0, right? None of the games <laughs> yeah. were close. It was exactly. like, well, Cloud9 won 2-0. They won both those games. But damn, TSM could have won both those games too, right? It was really close. Mm-hmm. And I think that does make it an extremely exciting semifinal. Uh, TSM, you know, certainly was pretty dominant in the quarters against uh, against Echo Fox. You know, I think they looked good there. And I think that they have looked good all the way through, you know, the, the later part of the split. I also think it did kind of answer some of the questions about, you know, like how how nervous are, yeah. are they going to be? Uh, Acadian, it was his first ever playoff series. Um, Broken Blade, you know, he's he's new to NA. You know, he's playing in playoffs on, on TSM where the players get tons of criticism and praise, right? So I, I think they answered some of those questions and I'm super excited for this series. I, I do think, uh, you know, there's so many cool storylines too because it's like Smoothie versus his old team, right? I feel like everyone just has forgotten about Smoothie this year because there's yeah. so many other big stories on TSM, but Smoothie doesn't really get talked about a lot. Um, and then, you know, Svenskeren also versus his old team, as, as always, you know, he's been longer removed, but still, uh, this is going to be so hype. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was actually a big thing in the middle of the season where Jack came out uh, supporting Smoothie and was talking about him yeah. on the TSM subreddit and stuff. So, like, that loyalty is definitely there, and there's mutual respect between these two teams. Mm-hmm. And even though... A lot of people, yeah, even, yeah, of course. <laughs> even though a lot of people have been rating TSM coming into playoffs the strongest team, mm-hmm. um, you know, crash course with first place. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is probably um, like this might be the biggest challenge. Yeah, maybe so. Either way, it's just super hype. Like, yeah. I have no idea how to call it. Like, even though it's it's definitely a very close series, it could still be a three out just because sometimes you're playing better that day or you've got your opponent figured out. Like, I, I could see any of the, like, six possible scorelines being legitimate. Yeah. I mean, and then we also have, like, Sven Skarin versus his old team from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a lot of these top teams all have people moving around. And the histories are so long because a lot of the top players in the LCS have been top players for a while. So it feels like almost all the matches that we go into... You have to be like, all right, that guy was on that team. So there's this one. And then, oh, yeah, he was also on this team three years ago. And they have all these ties. They're all friends. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see them go head to head because I feel like these are the two ones in best of fives that will also has the greatest possibility for different strategies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because you kind of have the feeling for the Team Liquid ones, like when you get to finals, uh, which Team I'm, fight, 5v5. Five five. Yeah, it, it seems like a similar pattern that you're going to get, especially with a lot of tank buffs coming out on 9.7. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it won't be 9.7 until MSI. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Shen, <clears throat> Shen did get some little buffs. There were some tanks. Yeah, okay. we, they saw, got we saw ba- Shen top at They got some baby yeah. ones. Yeah, Nautilus, uh, although I think he's more of a support. Yeah. Uh, Orin Shogath also got up. So, yeah. 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 There's still stuff. It is, it is going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things that has been kind of fun for me is I've been asking people, all right, who do you think is the strongest team in LCS? Mm-hmm. Most commonly, I've gotten TSM. And I say, who do you think is, has the best chance to do inter- well internationally? Everyone says Cloud9. Yeah, so it, they've it, proven it. Because they've done it so many times. Yeah. So it's really funny because it's like, 
people people feel like TSM is maybe better right now, but they also feel like even though they're better, they're going to do worse at MSI. Yeah. So so I feel like a lot of people are kind of like secretly, you know, like, let's hope Cloud9 like, makes yeah, it. Little, if you want your region to do well, you got to cheer for Cloud9 because yeah. they're the only ones that don't shit the bed. I mean, international. But you know what's kind of great? Like, I'm going to forecast MSI real quick. Like, I don't think it matters which team goes. Like, NA and oh, U. I know what you're going to say. Don't say it, freak. Don't curse us. We're both going to make it out of that, groups. Don't put that bad juju We're on me, We're both going to make it out of groups and then lose to Invictus and SKT in the semis anyway. Like, it just doesn't matter. We're going to have the same record as Europe. We're going to just go fight but a Chinese team and lose. Korea at Worlds, freak. How dare you? I mean, everyone slammed Genji at Worlds last year. It doesn't really matter. I guess yeah. they also... I like, the casual, I like the casual IG and SKT prediction. For yeah. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of them won the regular season. It's them, though. Don't, big, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, you know, so I think people are, are excited for, for the potential of international success. And, yep. and people are starting to think about that a lot because we're... You know, we're getting close to to the finals. And we're getting close to actually deciding who comes out. Yeah, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, lane by lane. Who do you guys think actually has the advantage in this in this uh, matchup? Cloud Nine, Cloud Nine, TSM. So we got we get, we can go through it. So it's <laughs> it's, it's Broken Blade, Licorice, Licorice right? by far. And I think like actually everyone but the most diehard TSM fans agree. Yeah, I, I think everybody everybody has solidly Licorice in first place in the all team ballots. I think. He, Literally everyone voted Licorice number one. I think there was no yeah. dissent. No, there because there was one Broken Blade number one. That, that I think was, was apparently the difference between Broken Blade and Hauntzer. Well, Bro Broken Blade had an extra first team and an extra second team vote okay. uh, across that. And they both had like eight and nine, like yeah. second and third. First team, team Broken Blade seemed pretty troll to me. Though. Yeah. I think it was the clutch coach. Yeah. FYI, flame him. Yeah. All right, but so jungle, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm agreed as well. I think it is pretty yeah. licorice favorite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that Broken Blade at his best though can can compete, which yeah. is why it should be interesting. You know, I think it comes down to Broken Blade. My criticisms of him are more about less his peak level of play and more his consistency. Where licorice just feels like not only does he have that same peak level of play, but he yep. feels like he almost never is the reason that his team loses the game. And also outside of consistency is champion pool. Mm -hmm. I think like Broken Blade is always going to play carries mm -hmm. like that is what he knows how to play right now like he, he's licorice from spring split whereas licorice like if you give him five games of Orin, he'll play Orin really well and if you give him five games of fiora Bobby. he'll also play fiora really well whereas i think broken blade only does the latter hmm. yeah I, I think there's definitely uh, a lot of versatility there on yeah. cloud nine side in the jungle i also am leaning towards cloud nine and spend scaring i did i would pretty heavily because i would say yeah. that both acadian and spend scaring have had games um, you know, where they messed up dives and messing up dives, especially early as a jungler, is always something that people gravitate towards and is mm -hmm. definitely an eye catcher. But Sven Skarin, I think for uh, a large portion of the season, has had super dominating games for Cloud9 as well. Yeah. Acadian, Acadian the only has guy some, out of the yeah. top three teams to not get put in all pro as well. Yeah. Which has to feel a bit bad. He got, he got usurped by Santorin, who's on the other side of the bracket. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I definitely think that Sven Skarin has been a better performer. Uh, I did not think that he was he was really like uh, that he would win MVP, but they're certainly in the community. I had seen quite a bit of that as people putting him forth as a potential MVP candidate. I felt like on that team, it should be licorice over him if it was one from Cloud9. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly people are thinking of him on that level, at least. And uh, Sven Skarin, I think, has has performed really, really well. And quietly, I think, has just become one of the best consistent junglers for for quite a while ever since he changed to cloud nine he's been so damn good do you think he's consistent that's what i was going to bring up actually is it feels like he's still a very aggressive player where just just by nature by nature of being so aggressive 
Like he will have flubs. So he's not a machine. When I say mm-hmm. consistent, I mean like over, like base of work over since he's changed to Cloud9, right? Okay, like sure. Just as far as like, yes, he will have individual mistakes, mm-hmm. but I have felt like since his move to Cloud9, he has been one of, if not the top jungler, you know, in the region, basically like mm-hmm. the whole time, right? Like he has been really, really good. That I um, give you. It didn't really feel like he had had some of the low lows that he did have at times on TSM where he was getting, you know, like hard flamed. Uh, and and considered like a bad tank only player and all this stuff like it feels like he's had the freedom to succeed on c9 as an aggressive player which does inherently come with risk and with risk sometimes it goes bad (laughs) i i would also say and kind of make a case for acadian being um performing well as the season went on i think Mm -hmm. he had an upward trajectory and it was very important for me in playoffs that it did not look like he had variability due to nerves or anything about it being yeah. a playoff game, a best of five long series or anything like that. I thought he played really well as the series even went longer. And um, yeah, he did I start forget slow was, in game one because game yeah. one he got outfarmed really hard versus I think it was the Kindred, but he still got first blood three games in a row. Yeah, exactly. And then like his, his I think it was even the last game was his most dominating one. Yeah, um, even though Rush gets first blood against him, he still does really good. Yeah, so like while. Uh, that for me, at least that was one thing I was looking for because yeah. that was one thing um, with Acadian, you know, hasn't had a playoffs experience before. So I would take that worry away, even if I do give the edge to Svenskaren. And his wins against uh, TSM, or sorry, TSM's wins over TL, I thought he played really well against Smithy. So he has performed mm-hmm. against some of the best junglers. Mid lane, uh, I think it's it's hard to not give it to Bjergsen. I think that Bjergsen, it was the best mid laner Probably in, in the league. Uh, yeah, this I think year. it's for sure Bjergsen. And I, but I do still think that, again, it, it's, <coughs> we are kind of giving that caveat. But I mean, Niski was third team, right? I think Niski can compete with Bjergsen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's a landslide in either way, uh, which does start to make you like then have to talk about, okay, well, you know, like if, if there are differences for one side or the other, how big are they? Whereas the big, most lopsided thing, is it just about team play? Because I think yep. almost all of us are probably going to say Bjergsen, but yeah. maybe some of you disagree on how much. Um, I think it's Bjergsen by a fair bit. One thing I do kind of want to bring up is, uh, similar to the Acadian point, is are there going to be Niski nerves? Um, now, he had a pretty mm-hmm. good run over in Europe and actually had, did, did pretty good things in playoffs there. But when back when he was in North America, he was on Envy. He lost in the quarterfinals here. So this is like, this would be his first NA playoff win, uh, which is maybe a kind of minor point. But I know when he first rejoined NA and he was up in the game opener against TL, he missed Zoe bubble or Zoe cues on slept targets, right? Like, and he said in interview, like, right. that was nerves. It was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, not plural, but, but okay, fair. But, but he said, I was against Jensen. I was against this guy yeah. that, that, you know, I replaced and I was nervous about it. And now he's against like the all time MVP leader, uh, like all time trophy leader in NA. Yeah. And he's back on cloud nine. And that was expectations. Like now it's like, okay, look, we had second place secured for a while, whatever. Now it's like, well, you got to win this. You want to win the split. And it's like, wait, we could win the split. And it's on me to do well against Bjergsen. Like this could happen to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as, what these two mid laners look like uh week like seven i think stats was um looking into it and the top two roaming mid laners were niski and bjergsen most of their kills were towards the bottom lane or up towards the top side i think there was like one kill in mid lane (laughs) so both of them have been really playing to their teams and helping out uh, the rest of the players especially early on in the game that was pre-15 minutes were most of those stats uh, so that's one of the things I think it's so exciting. And I do give the um, edge to Bjergsen, but a lot of it also hinges on champion select. And Niski has played a lot of different styles for Cloud9. Mm-hmm. So I think that's at least a benefit there is that he fills in for what like team composition or strategy Reaper wants to go after 
in a best of five, you know, in any given game. And I think that they can adapt over the series. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a role Bjergsen plays. I mean, he played uh, Zoe, two Lissandra games, and a Zillion game in the quarterfinals. Yep. Uh, Lissandra certainly can can be that roamer, right? And and I think can be really, really strong in that regard. But generally, Lissandra is pretty dependent upon your team to do well also. Because, you know, you kind of, you're the engage, but not really the follow-up, you know, yourself. So it'll be interesting to see if he wants to play more of a, a kind of a backseat role or not. Uh, as you talk about the bot lane. Because Zven has been really, really good. Zven and Smoothie, bot lane, obviously, for TSM. Uh, Zazel and Sneaky for Cloud9. I am in the camp, certainly, especially, I think, with recency bias, uh, talking about, like, TSM's bot lane being stronger. I think that the fact that they've been showing such, like, dominant laning phases, and I think, you know, being able to play Kalista, I think, actually is a, is a pretty big advantage um, because they have had a lot of success with that recently. And, yeah. you know, Sneaky's laning stats are definitely not very good. Yeah. I think Sneaky has been a really good marksman, like, in the in the teamfight stage. Um, and I think, you know, it's not just on Sneaky. You know, certainly from talking to also some of the pros, they actually think Zazel is basically amazing at everything except laning. So, yeah. you know, it, it certainly is a duo thing. It's not just on Sneaky or on Zazel. It's, it's how they work together. But I am of the opinion that both these guys can teamfight really well. Both these supports, you know, can, can, can roam and, and play the game very, very well. But... Like the biggest difference between the two sides is the laning phase. I think for TSM is superior. Yeah, I think uh, slight advantages throughout this series, and it's Cloud Nine top ish side of the map, TSM bottom ish side of the map. Yeah, you know, with Bjergsen and Sven as uh, really yeah. good strong carries for them. A lot of it, I think, is going to come down to team play, though. So, like these these lane by lane, line by line uh, comparisons yeah. do have you know slight differences. And I think a yep. lot of people agree on where they are, mm -hmm. but so much of it <laughs> does come down to you know what strategy they're trying to play and the yep. team play and coordination and pulling those off. Yeah, and it, and it depends if if the early game is really going to matter, though. Yeah, Zven and Smoothie probably do win the two on two bot lane, but like C nine chose. Zazel over Smoothie, mm -hmm. and it wasn't because of laning, it was because of everything else that Zazel brings, and they and they, they literally made that choice as a player, and was like, no, we think he brings more, we think we win more when Zazel's playing, so like, even in C9's own estimation, and they tend to do pretty well on this, so like, Zazel's the better player. Uh, and and getting into team fights and, and better mid to late game shot calling and, and that whole stuff, so um, C9 will tell you a hundred times that Zazel's the better player. Um, sneaky out of lane is obviously very, very, very good, I probably still lean Zvenge because if you discount 2018, I think he's done a lot uh, and and is an incredibly top player. But I think those are both S tier, like world class marksmen, regardless. Yeah. My, my one thing that I'm kind of really interested in is like when you talk about the last TSM C9 game and how, you know, C9 kind of grabbed victory from the claws of feet or whatever you want to say. Yeah. TSM plays the game very, very slowly and takes a long time to close their games in general. They still had the longest average game time in the league. And when you do that, and you're giving you're giving a team like Cloud9 opportunities to come back even in a losing game because they are ones who will make that risky aggressive play to try to turn around a game. Like I think Cloud9 is very good from from ahead and also plays to win from behind, right? They don't actually sit back and just allow you to take everything. They will try something. Mm -hmm. So like that to me is what may be the difference maker in this series. I think TSM uh, you know, is is kind of a more risk averse team. And I think that over the course of a best of five. Cloud Nine, I think like risks can be rewarded, and I, I, I that is to me the biggest difference maker in this. All right, let's move on to Poe Belter's revenge against yes. Team Liquid. They kicked him Not off. Making a prediction? They brought in nah, Jensen. Yep, and uh, Poe Belter Fraudulent. raised the stakes with some spicy tweets. 
trash talking Team Liquid saying I want Steve predictions. is nope. OSC. Steve, uh, you, I predict you, you, Team Liquid will play I'm on I'm enjoying Sunday. the series right now. Yeah, yeah get on topic, Azale. You gotta give me a prediction. No, first. I don't. You don't predict before you intro the series. No, nope. TSM Cloud Nine. It's already too late. We moved on. Oh, the TSM Cloud Nine one. I predict TSM. Oh. Okay, I'm going three to two just to show how close I think the series. Yeah, I'm going will to see nine three two. I'm not going back in time. We're talking about TL versus Flyquest. All right. So Freak is a fraudulent analyst. There we go. Topic. I'm not an analyst. <laughs> there you go. Fraudulent, like I said. <laughs> uh, TL Flyquest, I think, is TL favorite, obviously. Um, I think they have advantages probably everywhere. Um, Flyquest, like, have to pull out a, a bunch, like, three different rabbits from their hat. And those rabbits have to be really healthy. <laughs> a lot of rabbits. Uh, I the mean, rabbits yeah. How big is their hat? Uh, yeah. Also, well, actually, not really. They just gotta Straight they gotta all make it like, out. They're just scurrying around. Yeah. I, I mean, as long as you can pull the rabbit out. But yeah, it, it's but you know that 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 hat has barbs on it. And it's gonna be hard because TL is a really strong team. This metaphor is Keep really going. stretched. Like the hat with all the rabbits in it, it's gotta fit a lot of hats. Uh, the yeah. So you multiple hats in the hat. Yeah. Yeah, oh. it, it's hats all the way down. Okay. The sale. Have I uh, entered a Doctor <laughs> Seuss uh, episode here? No, there's what no cats. It's on? only rabbits, dude. You gotta keep up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do the land by land breakdown. I think it's it's yeah all across the board. Uh, what I am curious is how TL plays it to kind of s center in a bit more. Like the the joke is always TL plays tank tanks in the top lane. Um, or that's how they win. Uh, I am curious. They want to keep experimenting and being like, hey, dude, how's your Urgot now? How's your Gangplank? He got buffed too. How's your Kennen? He's pretty strong. Like. There's a chance that like those can be mistakes or that impact can step up and play those champions well. And and to be fair, these guys just played and FlyQuest beat them. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, you know, this was that the Kennen game um where you know it felt like Impact wasn't really doing that well in lane against Aatrox. And that's supposed to be, you know, again, like carry versus carry. That's supposed to be Kennen favored, certainly. Yeah. Um, and we didn't see that that really panning out. You know, Santorin is maybe the one like more arguable if you're looking at like the the performance over the entire season. I think a lot of people th thought Santorum played really well. Smithy, I think, still was the number one jungler, but certainly you know, the last couple games, TL is going into the playoffs on a on a three game losing streak, right? And they did not look particularly good in those three games. So I think that is what is building some hope for FlyQuest. But I think if you're looking at the the season in its entirety, of course, this is the number <laughs> one team up against you know FlyQuest, who was what nine and nine. Uh, it's like 14-4 versus 9-9. Of course, yeah. it should be very TL-favored. Uh, but you do wonder if a little bit, you know, like nerves would be getting to them. I think if you want to talk about a player, Jensen, certainly, right? Like, this is a guy who has still not won an NA title, has been in North America for a really long time, has almost always been considered second fiddle to Bjergsen, but still one of the best two mid laners in the league. Yeah, He moved to TL to win a title. They're going into playoffs on a three-game losing streak. You know, yep. it's like, oh God, what if I don't win? What if I lost? C I left C9, who just made World Semis, and you don't win. That is, to and me, C9 like, goes it's like, see ya. Yeah. And you get beat by Poe Belter, the guy you replaced. Yeah, yeah. like that is that is <laughs> that is rough. the storyline. And and Poe Belter was great in the quarters. Yeah, he was. Yeah, player of the series. I'm pretty sure most of spring. Poe Belter's yeah. been super strong performer for them. Poe Belter's always been. It feels like. Uh, ever since like all the all the imports, right? It's like since since Bjergsen and Jensen, all those guys, he's like always been a solid like at least top four mid laner. Like in some of the titles he's won, and he's won like I think three or so. He's been player of the series in like two of them. He he was player of the series in the CLG one when they beat TSM and for TL as well. And, and yeah, one in Miami, I believe. So like this guy is legit amazing domestically, uh, and and can be as good as the very best. But he never puts it on in the big stage. MSI last year was very bad for him, for example, um, and it's just like. 
okay, well, is it going to be another another day of, of Bolter being as good as everyone else domestically? And then if FlyQuest makes that run, can he step up, you know, later on or not? But yeah, he, he really can. He can do exactly as well or better than, than Jensen. I'm very curious to see if FlyQuest are going to try and put Viper on a split pusher. Um, I mean, they had a lot of success in the regular season. You know, of mm-hmm. course, the ribbon that everyone points to, but also things like Aurelia, they were able to swap it around as one of Pobelter's best champions. It's a very good flex pick for them. Mm-hmm. They could send it up to the top side. They did that very effectively. Yep. I feel like um, they have a lot of kind of options as well with those more spread the map, attack you type of play styles. If, if I'm FlyQuest, and, and my prediction on the series is almost entirely based on... So if, if TL does what I think they will do, I think TL should basically 3-0. Like, I think you actually should only put impact on tanks or or very stable defensive laners, which do not require you to actually win lane. Like That is the biggest difference. You should never have him on a lane bully. I don't think he plays well enough in lane to ever dictate that pick. But... Uh, you know, if he is going to go carry versus carry, I think FlyQuest actually has a chance. And I think FlyQuest's way to win this series is then to always try to be going red side, always trying to be getting counter pick and playing around Viper because I think that is the biggest way in for them. Even if Impact is going tanks, then I would, if I'm FlyQuest, be preparing like Fiora and Kale and picks like that that yeah. actually can really take advantage of a tank. This is actually a really good Kale series, actually. Yeah, yeah. it is. Like because you know if he's gonna pick if he's gonna pick Jace, then you just go carry versus carry and you just try to beat him, right? Yeah. But if he wants to play <laughs> tanks, then you 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 prep counter picks, and that's why I think that for FlyQuest, it should be so much about the top lane and how you play around Viper and Impact because Viper has shown he's a better carry versus carry player certainly, and even though that does not guarantee you a win against TL by any means, I think that's your best chance because it's so hard to bet on. On Turtle and JJ over a double ten core JJ, even though Turtle, Turtle and, and JJ have had a had a great season, I think, and have been good performers. You know, over a best of five, you just can't bet on them. You can't really bet on anyone, I think, except maybe Viper versus Impact if it's advantageous matchup. So to me, that really is where the focus has to be. And then it's also on TL for recognizing that and preparing, you know, suitable picks for him to keep him safe, whether it's the Urgot, whether it's you know Malphite into Jason, things like this, or or whatever way he wants to go. Yeah, I'm super excited to see Santorin versus Xsmithy again to determine early game yeah. as well. Yeah, Xsmithy had definitely a few very rough games. Like it's it's <clears throat> it's. I feel like the story of TL is like they are in general much better, but they've been inconsistent. How many of the last three losses were like? Do you discount because they were locked first and they decided you know what we're gonna play nerfed Urgot just to do it? We're gonna put a, a Jace game and a Cannon game out there. To get more reps and see if we can find just it. Just like, to do it. Just I, I feel like it's one of the worst picks I've ever seen in, in pro play because the champion wasn't even going to be in playoffs in that state. But um, like there's a there's a part of me that's like just discounts all of the three losses from TL at the very end of the season because they can do anything and the record doesn't change. Like they're yeah. gonna be number one regardless. And like so I'm not completely willing to believe that yeah. like they're actually that bad. It was like, well, they're trying something. They're not going in trying 100%. They're trying 80%, and that's enough for a team to beat you. Definitely favored. I think. Like three one favored for Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. It's what, what are it's, you going? Uh yeah, I, I I give it three one just because I think that Santorin and and Viper like I mean honestly a lot of these players like uh, have have performed well enough on FlyQuest that I could see one of them having that pop off game that actually makes a difference. Um, but I I would think it's three zero or three one TL if yeah. they're drafting the way I'm expecting them to, and and I do think to your point that. Everyone writes off those last three games if TL just now goes and, and six those playoffs, right? Like if everyone just if they just slam playoffs because yeah. 
they still went 14 and four. That's better, a better record than they had either of the splits last year where they then went and slammed playoffs, right? Like they have been so good. And that doubles was incredibly dominant in both playoff runs. If that same TL does show up, people then do start to say, oh yeah, well, they just didn't care because they were already first. Uh, but there are no guarantees. Certainly. I am keeping the door open for all the people that are like, you should not be riding off these losses for Team Liquid though. That's also possible. And yeah. these mistakes are a sign of something bigger. Like, I, I don't think those critiques are completely unfounded. No, I agree. And I agree total, totally. I, I'm I, actually in that boat. I'm just okay. saying if they if they go 6-0 and they slam, people are uh, going to start to forget about them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. We have a special Twitter section okay. today, fellas, because we got a very unique uh, Twitter. It wasn't, I guess it was technically a question um, where Long Vehicle, at Long Vehicle, Ali Han tweeted at us, my friend is a die-hard Lowell player and just had twins yesterday. They were trying to convince his missus to agree to name them Darius and Draven. Can you throw something in to sweeten the deal? Lowell Esports then responds with, yes, we'll have a segment on the dive. So here you go. You've got your segment. He actually tweeted at us following up with this birth certificates. They are now named Draven and Darius, yeah. and I think that's badass. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think it's uh, it's super cool. I think one of them was a middle name, one of them was a first name. Uh huh. Uh, pretty hype, but yeah, congratulations on uh, on the healthy twins. Congratulations, yeah. Darius on is the first name. Darius I think and Draven. I'm looking here. They now are obligated to become League of Legends players. I think they have <laughs> to nice. play bot lane together because I think that's. Oof. Yeah, I think they just have to. I'm wondering I mean, if they. I guess they could be like. Uh, I'm yeah, wondering if they name the bigger baby. Uh, Darius and this Draven's one, pretty Draven. jacked too. That's true. Yeah, but Darius is bigger. Oh, okay. I mean, he's wearing really heavy armor. It's hard to say for sure. Okay. We're hard looking to, forward to the cosplay to coming from them. Yeah, that's in about twenty sure. years or whatever. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, where's where's the Darius onesies? Where's the Draven onesies? We'll like, be in episode. We'll be in episode three thousand of uh -huh. the dive, and we'll yeah. you know maybe they'll come and visit us. Season eight, episode twelve exactly. of the dive. <laughs> that was very loud. <laughs> twelve is only in five years. Season eight's in five. Eight, yeah, 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 exactly. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> Not that long. It'll be the spring split playoff. All right. Well, so. congrats. Uh, wish you guys a happy life. Pretty cool. All right. We got some more Twitter questions here. Uh, this <laughs> one comes from Super Seda. He says, listening to Santorin interview with Travis, he mentioned that his team has no language barriers and then realized all the top four teams have mostly English primary speaking players except for Core JJ and Impact. Thoughts? 100 Thieves? Haha. <laughs> That's what he says. Um, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is part of the tweet. This is not me. Sure, sure, sure. Or her. I'm not sure if, if Seda is a, a man or a woman. Um, either way. Uh, but yeah, my, my read is always that I am I am cautious when there are when there are non like fluent English speaking imports. Yeah. Like always, because it's always going to be a concern. And impact it feels like has um, naturalized really well. I feel like um, that dude has solid English. He he's communicate communicates with the team very well. Um, but I, I felt that even if players in general can speak English and you can talk to them and hold a conversation, you still have to do the mental like conversion in your head uh, to get the calls out properly. That it just takes longer. And I think there's just an inbuilt ramp up time that if you if you have never played League of Legends in English and now you're starting, it's going to take you some time to, to communicate back and forth. And that will slow things down. Like that is an unnegotiable downside. Now it can be worth it. The player can be great. They can be really good with the rest of the team. They can learn, they can get those communication skills up, but it's, 
I think it will always be a slow start. So I will say, though, both of those players, when you're talking about TL, mm-hmm. in fact, has been in NA for so long. Court JJ was in NA before, and his English was actually really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Impact, I think his English doesn't seem as strong, but I know one of the things uh, that I have heard from from kind of watching some of their content and talking to some players is that it's like they have very clearly like figured out the way like you know what all the calls mean and and the ways that he's going to call different things and like he is super you know like ingrained in any culture and meme culture and all that stuff now so impact is a big shot caller for the whole team it's not him like even following and and core jj right so it's like i think those guys uh are like their english is more than good enough and they have figured Mm -hmm. it out i do agree though in general it's hard and i think one of the hardest things is not only can you like when when someone first comes over even if they have okay english it's not just can you understand them uh, in a normal, calm conversation. It's can you understand them when you're screaming at each other and it's 40 minutes into the game and the team fight decides it, right? Yep. And that that I think is what is is kind of like the hardest point in those like panic moments. Yeah, communication is definitely one of the most difficult things about professional League of Legends in general. Even yeah. if mm-hmm. you speak completely the same language. Yep. Uh, I think it also has some effect on the team environment when you are practicing and coming up with ideas and trying to uh, get everyone on the same page mm-hmm. of how to play the game. Every little bit helps mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and uh, with something as difficult mm-hmm. as that. But clearly it can be worth it, right? Corda J is <clears throat> the best support on the best team of the regular season. And, and again, he has amazing yeah. English. Right, exactly. Yeah. So so yeah, and so, so some of these work great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, a thing you have to consider. And, and it's also a reason why I think EU imports are becoming more and more popular compared yeah. to Korean imports, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no guarantee of success now. I think in general, I believe that this, this skill gap, individual skill gap between players has gotten smaller and smaller over time. I agree. And, you know, if, if a, a player who cannot speak the language as well is not significantly better than the player who can, then it no longer becomes worth it. And I think we've seen that demonstrated in, in a number of different mm-hmm. places. Either way, we got one more question here uh, from twice i slasher he says do you believe the top three uh, rock paper scissors narrative will hold true in playoffs or best of five change how the teams approach each other with adaptations and new picks was the narrative even valid in the first place this is talking about tsm2 over liquid uh liquid 2-0 over c9 c9 2-0 over tsm i think you know basing a whole narrative as strong as this team always beats this team rock paper scissors um on best of ones with two games or whatever yep. is almost always going to be just you know interesting story to try and get people you know thinking about how the, the teams interact and i think it it's it definitely is overblown best of fives are a completely different tests how you adapt over the series uh so yes i think that is definitely going to be different picks different adaptations uh different stories but it is interesting whenever you have something like that where is it a 2-0 over each other team and if you look at the teams a little bit you can kind of see like Okay, well, Cloud9 have the best top laner, Licorice, over TSM that tried to play a bunch of split pushing. So it kind of makes sense that they can win that. And then um, TSM have uh, Zven in the bottom side. That's a stronger matchup versus Team Liquid's greatest strength of double lift. So maybe they don't lose as much as Cloud9 do since Sneaky always gets splashed around there. And you can like formulate some of these things uh, as far as how they each match up. But it's definitely going to be a different animal. Yeah, I, I think it's just who who plays better on the day, which team prepares better. Um, I, yeah, I think the results happen to be that they all 2 would each other. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I think back to C9 versus TSM, and both those games were incredibly close. Yeah, uh, You had uh, Licorice absurdly pop off on the Silas. There was a team fight where he was able to self-ult with Zillion 
with like a quarter second of spare. Uh, there is his like insane flank for the Elder Dragon fight into Bjergsen getting caught. Like that could easily have been TSM 2-0. Actually, they're the first seed. Uh, they two of both the top teams. Their record was, was you know, three losses, 15 wins and C9's seed number three. And oh, okay, it's just TSM's a favorite because those mm -hmm. games are that close. And again, you play those games out that many times, TSM probably actually comes out with it more than half. Yeah, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see. I, I do think kind of like what you were alluding to, it can, it can hint towards stylistic differences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what is interesting about it. You know, the TL games actually weren't very close against TSM. So that's one thing yeah. where certainly I think uh, TL could be hoping that C9 actually, you know, wins that semis because maybe TSM is the worst matchup for them. Um, but I, I do think best of five is always going to be different because the regular season by the top teams is used to then make those changes for playoffs, right? You know, only a bad team will see, oh, well, this didn't work both times. We played the same way both times. That failed. All right, let's do the same thing in playoffs, right? You know, like yeah. the whole point of the best of five series is the in-game adaptations, is the changes from, from uh, you know, game to game, the pre-planning, all of that mm -hmm. goes into it. And that's also a huge part of the coaching. These three teams all have great coaches. I'm expecting there to be surprises. I'm expecting there to be backup plans and backup plans for the backup plans. So yep. uh, it'll be it'll be really cool. All right. I'm excited. That is going to do it for this episode of The Dive. This weekend is going to be semifinals. Be sure to check those out. Yep. We are also going to have a Dive Live mm -hmm. at Finals in St. Louis. Uh, but first, check out the semifinals. 2 p.m. on Saturday will be Cloud9 versus TSM, followed by Team Liquid FlyQuest on Sunday at 12. See you there.